All right, so we're two months into the NBA season. We got some trades, some new contracts being handed out. We got some team drama out in Chicago. And 40-year-old Dirk makes his season debut this year um, alongside Luka Doncic, who was actually born the same year and same month that Dirk Nowitzki made his NBA debut. So there's that trivia for you. We'll also look at the high and the sinking teams of this week, the best and worst performers. It's all this here on the Second Stringers NBA podcast. But before we dive in, uh, this week the Bulls tied for the worst home loss in NBA history. So Sean, here's a question for you. Who was the other team who lost just as bad as the Chicago Bulls just did uh, against the Boston Celtics? Here's a hint. It was a Western Conference team, and the year was 1986. Wow, 1986, Alan. That, that's a long time. Yeah, <laughs> we're talking Magic Johnson, Larry Bird. Uh, skinnier Michael Jordan. <laughs> oh, I drag on Michael Jordan. Yeah, a non-crazy hair Dennis Rodman. Who else are we talking about? Young Hakeem. Oh, man. Dude, these are the golden there. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, 1986 Western Conference team. I, I got to tell you, Alan, I'm not very versed <laughs> in my 80s basketball. Uh, I don't know. Some people might not even call me a true basketball fan for not knowing these kind of things. Um, it's, pretty I, it's pretty I'm more, random. I'm more of the modern NBA fan, <laughs> if I do say so myself. But I'll, I'll I'll take a shot and I'll just go with the Los Angeles Clippers. <laughs> oh, that's a good. That's not a bad one. I was hoping. I guess I was hoping the year would kind of give you a slight hit, but then if you went, you start thinking Clippers. You start thinking. Um, actually, is there any other franchise that has lost? Terribly I mean, in the I was just going with a team that I knew years. was going to be really bad. <laughs> yeah. I guess you could have gone, like, something random, like, oh, well, the Orlando Magic didn't even exist. Miami Heat didn't even exist. Yeah, I don't know. No, well, am I right? Am I not? I'm not right. Well, I'm ultimately, I'm not. no, you're not. You're okay. wrong. Yeah, it uh. wasn't the Clippers. <laughs> so despite their, you know, their franchise, of course, isn't known for winning, but they don't, they're not... Um, their name is not tied to the worst home loss in NBA history. Who is? It's the Houston Rockets um, oh, wow. against the visiting Seattle Supersonics, who gave oh, them a 56 the, beatdown. The Supersonics. Was Gary Payton on that team? Does he exist yet? There was no Gary. No. I'm okay. actually not sure. That was way before any players I, <laughs> I was aware of. Yeah, I'm not sure who really was like the player on that team. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure. Probably should have uh, done more Houston research. Houston Rockets, on that. man. Yeah. Not, yeah, definitely wouldn't guess that. Yeah, the Houston Rockets. But I mean, this dress transitions to the Bulls um, here in 2018, who also lost by 56 points against the Boston Celtics. Um, ultimately, the starters only played uh, or were pulled with, oh, with with still 21 minutes to go in that game. Um, just Yikes. an ugly situation I, that's created a a mess that. I mean, you would think that after a loss like that, you would just want to move on and never talk about it again. But the Bulls continued <laughs> to make headlines through the week after the players threatened not to show up to practice on that following Sunday, following that Saturday massacre. Um, most of the players didn't want to show up due to the intensive running and conditioning that new coach um, Boyle likes to do with these players. A lot of these players were so upset that it's rumored to that they have they contacted the players union uh, regarding Ooh. Regarding the type of coaching that they were they were under the last week, what do you think That's about all crazy. this? Man, it's like so. I saw these reports coming out, and I was like, "Yeah, this makes a lot of sense." Like this guy, he was an assistant coach. He had no business being the head coach this year, and I guess he felt like he needed to show his team 
that like he was in charge and wanted to run that extra practice um after a back to back and then having another game the next day. Uh, it's pretty brutal. He came out saying that he wasn't gonna make them do anything intense, and it was just just a two hour light session that he was planning. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we almost saw full scale mutiny. I feel <laughs> from this team that they they're reaching out to the players union. They're like they're totally rebelling against this guy who's only been in the job for a few weeks, yeah. not even like one week. Um, and then they had the players meeting, and Zach Levine met with the coach head to head, or like face to face. I want to say head to head. There's more conflict yeah. <laughs> there, but yeah, I think they just needed to come to an understanding and like communicate exactly what the practice was gonna be about, and like they should really have voiced their opinion to him. But I think before contacting the players union, you know, it's like just like, hey, coach, I really think we're all tired. Yeah, I mean, we're tired of losing, but we're also tired of being put. In um, all these hard workouts that you're running us in, and like I don't know, I feel like they just tried to escalate it too quickly. Yeah, but and- I mean, it just speaks to like the total dysfunction of the entire organization from front office like executives down to the players. Right, and I mean, typically NBA teams aren't known for having practices during back-to-back games, but uh, Boylan is of a different of a different cut, I guess. He wants his players to practice and practice hard, um, and I. I guess maybe there was a bit of anger there considering the the loss that they had, but still nonetheless, the players were not having it. And instead of having a practice, they had their players meeting and looks like things were cleared up. But I thought it was funny um, in an interview, Boylan reiterated that it was a tactic that he learned under Greg Popovich. Uh, <laughs> but an anonymous player gave a quote saying, uh, Boylan in essence um, aren't, the, aren't the Spurs and more importantly, Boylan isn't Greg Popovich. Yeah, ouch. <laughs> that hurts. I mean, at least he's like jabbing at himself because he knows the Bulls are not the Spurs for sure. Yeah. In any sense of the word. But yeah, it's brutal, man. I mean, this, I like, I've never seen an organization in this bad of a state before where it almost just feels like they want to like give up playing <laughs> basketball completely at this point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one good move I do think that they're moving towards, though, is taking Jabari Parker out of the rotation, which you could look at as a monumental failure. But sometimes, even if you have a guy that's making twenty million a year, you just gotta rip the bandaid off. I mean, this guy plays the worst defense in the league, <laughs> and he does he does not deserve to play in the NBA until he learns how. Yeah, I mean, when he's on the court, the uh, the Chicago Bulls are a negative nine eleven net rating. I mean, offensively, he looks like he's de- he looks decent. Fifteen points, forty five percent shooting from the field, twenty nine percent from three. That's not good, but forty five is okay. Seven rebounds, three assists. I mean, Jabari Parker is okay, but I mean, he has been quoted as saying that the NBA players aren't NBA players aren't really well known for for defense. So it's not something he <laughs> prides himself in. And Chicago's not looking good. They're definitely in the lottery. Um, I think they're gonna go Larry Markinen over Jabari Parker any day here. Oh, so, for sure. Yeah, uh, and I mean, they have Bobby Portis coming back now, too. Like, you don't need Parker in that lineup. Yeah, it just kind of sucks to see. Uh, I mean, Jabari Parker um, isn't an all-star. Looks like he he might be a little underwhelmed. I might have an underwhelming career uh, compare, um, comparative to where he was drafted, obviously the second pick uh, back in those days. But I still think, like, he could have an impact on some teams in the league. So f- for him to just sit on the Chicago bench, I think, is – um, a disservice uh, to, <laughs> to fans in some franchises. I think he could have somewhat of an impact on a team like 
the Suns or no, the notably the yeah the Warriors. <laughs> the Memphis Grizzlies need a scorer like him off the bench for sure. Memphis Grizzlies wouldn't stand for no defense though. That this is true. This is true. Um, but I mean, who else? I mean, Utah. The Utah Jazz desperately need some form of a scorer off the bench. Jabari Parker could be an answer for them there if a buyout ultimately happens because. It's going to be difficult to trade a $21 million contract this year uh, unless yeah. you're willing to let go of a lot. Unless this is the only way I think it could happen. If the Bulls are willing to take Chandler Parsons for Jabari Parker. Oh, geez. <laughs> that works. So so the important thing to remember, though, is that the second year of this deal is a team option. Right. So in essence, this is just a $1 million, or a one-year $20 million deal. So if they want to just hold him for this year have cap space for next year. That's I like that's the worst case scenario honestly right now is that he doesn't contribute anything to them. Yeah. Yeah, for the Bulls organization, it's not really a big loss, right? You you lose that cap space for this year, but I mean, realistically, you weren't going to use it for anything other than to just do what you're already doing, which is tanking. Um yeah. but I think it's a big loss for Jabari Parker in the sense that he's going to be a free agent again next year and if he oh, loses yeah. that on this year, <laughs> He's not getting $20 million in no, free agency. Heck no. I'm looking at him making like 5 to 10 next year. And especially because there's going to be so many teams with so much cap space in this crazy 2019 free agent market. Jabari Parker, I mean, maybe he lucks out again and maybe a team just ends up with a lot of cap space. Like maybe the Nets don't sign anybody and mm-hmm. they just have $40 million to blow. So they throw some at Jabari Parker and just hope kind of like what the Bulls did. So that's like his best case scenario. Yeah. He's going to have to leverage the fact that he was a former second pick yep. um, back in the day. But at this point, <laughs> if I'm his camp, I mean, you got to force a buyout. You got to get yourself some value. Cause yeah, I mean, even 5 million, I think might be a little bit generous. I guess depending <laughs> what the minimum contracts look like next year. Right. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. But I kind of just listed here a series of bad moves that the Chicago Bulls have made in the last, what, few years. Basically, since <laughs> yeah. they struck gold and got extremely lucky by drafting the young, who would become the youngest MVP in, um, in NBA history in Derrick Rose. But then Karma came back, of course, um, and struck Derrick Rose's knees. And the Chicago Bulls are back to where they were after they let, after Michael Jordan retired. Is essentially just a team that at best is the eighth seed. And at worst is in the lottery again. And that's who they've been really. And the series of bad moves are these signing Dwayne Wade to that ma- massive contract alongside Rajon Rondo and having that locker room rift that they did, which ultimately led to a, a Jimmy Butler trade, a Nicola Meritek trade after getting punched in the face by his own teammate, <laughs> cutting Etwan Moore, who's now a, a solid role player for the New Orleans Pelicans, trading for Cameron Payne, Yo. arguably... <laughs> Maybe a good dancer, but a terrible NBA player. (laughs) (laughs) And then letting go of Spencer Dinwiddle for Michael Carter-Williams, who just, Spencer Dinwiddle, who just signed an extension with the uh, Brooklyn Nets and just scored 39 points. Yeah, he's balling. And then they re-signed Zach Levine for huge money, signed Jabari Parker this year for huge money. Um, John Paxson's been the man behind all this. I think he needs to go. Yeah, I think it's time for this franchise to really make a big move and let go of some leadership here. Because, I mean, the Chicago Bulls, I think, should be a a name just as big as the Los Angeles Lakers. Somehow the New York Knicks are a big name in the NBA. 
Uh, <laughs> but they should be at least as big as that. Uh, I mean, that's a huge Chicago's a huge market. You had Michael Jordan. I mean, it, I think it's a joke to in the, for the NBA to have a mar- have a team like that continuously be in the lottery or at best only land themselves in the eight seed. Right. Yeah. This ownership. Like it, it goes to the owner too. Mm-hmm. Like the both the owner and the GM here for for the Bulls are just really just ruining this team, and yeah. it's really it's really hard to see. I mean, you see them like fall into good moves. Like like Zach Levine has penned out. He is a good player. Mm-hmm. Laurie Markkinen was an amazing draft pick. Right. But and you see, like Jabari Parker, you get rid of Spencer Dinwiddie, and then like you signed an old Dwayne Wade. It's like. You gotta you gotta make some more smart decisions, and you you can't afford to like go with all these risky players. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's gonna happen. I I don't think the G, the GM and the owner seem pretty close. Yeah, so I don't I don't see a change happening in the future, and the coach isn't exactly instilling any confidence in me. So even if they do get the personnel, it'll be hard for them to make it work. Yeah, like I wouldn't. Like, could you imagine if the Chicago Bulls get the number one pick next year? That would be crazy. And they get Zion, yeah, probably, or RJ Barrett. And then we still don't see them return back to a conference final. Um, yeah, that would be that. That's a disappointment. And I mean, th- th- it's gonna take more than one good player for this Bulls team to turn it around. Like, they they'd need a few of their guys to make an extra step mm-hmm. up in their game, and they'd need like the number one draft pick. Yeah. So moving from there, um, a trade went down this early in the year. Uh, second trade of the of the NBA season is Milwaukee. Well, actually, it's not the second trade. It might be. I uh, mean, the only other one was including the Cavs as well. Right. True. Well, anyway, I can remember <laughs> Milwaukee acquiring George Hill from the Cavs um, in exchange for Matthew Deladova, John Henson, and a future first and second round pick. Wow, there's a lot of value that Milwaukee is putting here for. George Hill, I would think Matthew Delanova and John Henson would have been enough to make this trade go through. Yeah, I mean, and like maybe even including a second round pick because George Hill, he's proven that he's not the player that he was when he was on the Indiana Pacers or yeah. even on the Utah Jazz. Yeah, um, it is crazy. That's a crazy good value for the Cavs. Mm-hmm. Props to their management for making this trade happen. Granted, Milwaukee's picks, they probably won't be very good. Because they they're very good themselves, mm-hmm. but that's still a great haul for a guy who you didn't even want to play in the first place. Because you, you're trying to get Colin Sexton as many minutes as possible at this point. You bring back a hometown hero and Matthew Della Nadova, and mm-hmm. you get two draft picks. And granted, John Henson, um, he's going to be out still for a very long time because he has that bad injury. Um, so he was kind of a throw-in piece for Milwaukee. Yeah, probably to clear up some roster space. And yeah. I mean, hey, Della Dova com- coming in that first game, taking down the Knicks, getting MVP chance from the crowd as the Cavs beat the Knicks uh, to the tune of 15 points, four rebounds, and three assists for the Deli man himself. Uh, while on the other side, you see George Hill making like minimal impact uh, coming off the bench for the Bucks with only four points on their, and their crushing loss to the Pacers the other night. So uh, if you ask me, the Cavs made out really well so far. I and agree. for the future, too. I agree. I mean, George Hill was getting paid a lot of money. Yeah. Um, somehow he he did the Utah Jazz dirty by 
convincing them to sign him for that much money. <laughs> but I mean, I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to hate on a man for getting his bag, get, getting the bag, yeah, getting his worth. Um he did it and unfortunately it did hurt the Cavs and it hurt um his ability to move to another team, but this deal was able to be struck and I didn't realize that yeah, they the Cavs get John Henson and I guess they might have they must have been able to wiggle the first and the second round pick out of uh, Milwaukee based on the fact that John Henson is hurt. Uh, yeah, it's like we'll we'll take on your injured player if you just give us some extra. Yeah. The thing about Matthew Delanova is I always thought he would be a great role player for a really good team. Like just one of those guys who comes in for a solid ten minutes, makes some great um hustle plays, defensive plays, mm-hmm. just sort of the type of plays that get the crowd moving. Uh but he was never that for Milwaukee. He was that for the Cavaliers. Right. He never was that for Milwaukee, um, and it didn't work out, and I guess they needed to walk away, but I'm not so yeah. sure George Hill is that guy for Milwaukee either. Uh, probably just some more veteran leadership and some guy who can hit the open three. Yeah, I mean, he maybe he'll make more of an impact if one of Eric Bledsoe or Malcolm Brogdon gets hurt, but between those two guys, like that, your point guard position is taken care of pretty well, so it was an interesting move. I don't, Yeah, I'm not sure why they did it, like it seemed like they were in a really good position already. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they really just needed to get rid of John Henson, and like this was the best offer they could get to like clear clear space on their roster. Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, but the thing about Matthew Delanova, I'm so surprised that this hasn't been like his infamous thing that he carries with him is the fact that because every time I think about him, I just think about uh, the reports that he was put on IV after. I think game three of the 2015 NBA Finals because <laughs> he exerted so much energy out on the floor. That's a crazy. That's a crazy thing. Yeah, just you care that much, you know. You're just you bring it. Yeah, like he puts so much stress on himself, puts so much passion into it. Like, dude, he he is the definition of the hustle player. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all these cl- sports cliches about heart and effort. Like Matthew Delanova played it like he he put himself (laughs) in the hospital he needed an iv man that's crazy so i guess the folklore of this man must only live in uh cleveland because i feel like we've all all nba fans have kind of just forgotten about that fact yeah i mean he's back he's back in his hometown man like these these fans love delhi yeah so yeah i think he's already thrived in his first game with them so it'll be fun to at least watch him see how they do i mean it seems like every time they've acquired a new player, they've actually like started winning a couple games. Like when they got Alec Burks from the Jazz, they won the game next game after that. And now then we got Delhi, they won that one too. Granted it was against the Knicks, but hey, I mean they're still fighting out there. Yeah, they're seven and twenty one on the verge of potentially uh leapfrogging the New York Knicks who yeah, are. Yeah, potentially and ruining their lottery draft odds. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Uh maybe Delhi's gonna be that guy. They're gonna just get the opposite effect that they wanted by making this trade. <laughs> right. Yeah, another rumor is the Lakers are rumored to be trying to acquire Trevor Ariza from the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Trevor Ariza, who's 33, would be making his return back to the L.A. Lakers after Bring playing home. after playing in a couple playoff series and winning that championship with Kobe Bryant back in uh, 2009. Uh, so this trade would involve moving KCP, who would become trade eligible on December 15th. Uh, but here's the monkey wrench on in there is that he also has the veto power uh, to veto any trade that involves himself, which mm-hmm. is surprising. I didn't realize that 
KCP would be given that privilege. I feel like these type of clauses only exist in uh, like a handful of elite players. I'm thinking yeah. John Wall, uh, Kobe had his, Kevin Garnett, uh, Carmelo Anthony, some of the to name a few who had that in their contracts. Right. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not sure like how widespread that type of clause is in people in these players' contracts. But I think for him, it's like. They, he wanted to protect his own value, you know? Right. And he doesn't want to get traded to a team where he's not going to be able to play and contribute because it, he is on a one-year deal. Mm-hmm. So he has to really prove himself this year. Um, but I don't think – if he went to the Suns, I don't think he would veto it because he'd get so much playing time there because who else are they going to play, you know? And he's, right. he's a young guy. Like, he still can develop his game quite a bit. Um, he's been struggling a bit this year. Um, he's shooting 41% from three five attempts a game, 11 points. That's not a guy that's worth 12 million right now. Um, and it, he won't be making much more next year if they, if those numbers continue. So he's got to get to a team. If the Lakers aren't that team where he can actually contribute and improve on those numbers. Yeah. And alongside that comparison is Trevor Reza, who's shooting 38% from the field and 32% from three. Uh, so Trevor Reza is actually not having himself quite a year either. So I think the benefit of this trade would be to get Trevor Reza's length and um, obviously his defense and his ability to guard those multiple positions. Because, I mean, I guess right. if you when you, you have Josh Hart, you have Brandon Ingram, you have Lonzo, you have Lance Stevenson, um, you have a multitude of people you can switch over from small forward to two guard. Uh, what you ultimately do need is a guy like Trevor Reza, a little bit longer, a little bit bigger, um, who you can come in and switch from the power forward position to the three position. And so for the Lakers, I think this, I think, I really think this deal makes a lot of sense. Um, KCP is the better pull up three shooter right now. Uh, but who's to say Trevor Reason can't get his numbers back once he's on an actual uh, functioning offense uh, with right. a guy <laughs> like LeBron James running the point. Yeah, I mean, we saw his ability to shoot the three when he was on the Rockets. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can definitely shoot it, so maybe he just needs that change of scenery, like you said. And yeah, the, playing defense, like KCP is pretty good at defense too. Right. But like you said, he's smaller. Ariza is a little bigger than him and can guard more of those taller positions, um, take out some of those six foot eight, six foot nine guards that are, or wings that are flying around all over the place these days. Yeah. Um. So I mean. I think yeah, in a few days we'll we'll see if these rumors are true. I think it would improve the Lakers, um, personally, because uh, I, I I mean I, I have a vendetta against KCP anyway because there, he was the reason they lost David Nawaba, but <laughs> yeah, that's that's just where I stand on it. Yeah, it's it's not the it's not the most like oh you got to make this move, but if it did happen, I wouldn't mind it. It seems like it'd be a decent deal uh, to improve the Lakers in terms of the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I don't really think it makes any difference whatsoever. <laughs> it really doesn't. <laughs> I mean, it's still a guy on a one-year deal. Twenty. I mean, I guess he's younger, so uh, you get the chance to test him out. And if you want, you bring back KCP for, and you give him the extension there. Uh, yeah. But in terms of short term, this year, it's going to make no difference whatsoever. If anything, I guess mm-hmm. it hurts you in losing Trevor Reza, who's a starter on your team at this point. Yeah, I mean, maybe yeah, maybe if you just want to go with a full young lineup, and you can put him next to Devin Booker when Devin Booker gets healthy. Um, maybe have him play a little on the ball so Devin Booker can play off the ball. Is kind of what I'm thinking. Um, I don't know. He's not really like a good point guard type of player though. No. So he's yeah. definitely 
a he's definitely a true shooting guard. Um, yeah, the Sun the Suns really just do need a point guard. So unless unless the Lakers are willing to put in uh, Lonzo into that deal somehow, then I I don't see anything happening here. Not gonna happen. So I guess that that is the the ultimate thing that they that's still needed here is they need that third team to get that point guard because the Lakers aren't letting go of any of theirs. Yeah, uh, and I doubt the Phoenix Suns want Rajon Rondo. Um, <laughs> so they got to bring in that third team to get to get a point guard uh, over to the Suns. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see what goes down there. So moving on, let's go to big deal or forgetful. So these are some of the things that have occurred in the league this week and whether or not they're big deals or will, they'll quickly be forgotten within the next couple days. The first one is Rudy Gobert's continue his <laughs> battle with the refs. Uh, given this quote, tonight someone grabbed my arm, pulled me down. That was a very dangerous play and I caught cold for the foul. If I got to do justice myself, I'm going to do justice myself and it's going <laughs> to get ugly. Rudy Gobert giving that quote after the game. Um, I mean, I guess he has some justification for it. Uh, the Utah Jazz are struggling. I mean, I feel like we said that last week as well, mm-hmm. and they haven't really improved. They've lost three in a row now, including a 27-point loss against the Miami Heat, where Rudy Gobert was also frustrated with some of the calls that he got there. And then he got that loss against the Thunder, where Gobert only played 21 minutes out of the 30 minutes that he averages this year uh, due to foul trouble, uh, really right at the start of the game. And I think that that quote is referring to the play against Steven Adams, if I'm if I'm right there. Yeah. And, yeah, the more we talk about it, the, the more, like, I feel like the refs kind of do have it out for Gobert because these quotes come out and they're targeted at all, mm-hmm. all NBA refs. The yeah. last week we were talking about, I'm like, there's just no way, like, these guys are sitting in a break room, like, all together, like, talking about how they're going to screw over Rudy Gobert. Yeah. But the more, yeah, the longer this battle goes on, it seems more and more likely that it is actually more like that than uh, we would come to believe. Yeah. Uh, Rudy Gobert, man, he's just, this is the former defensive player of the year who's just trying to do him, you know, like, yeah. play the game that he knows how to play. And the refs just, just the way that the NBA officiating has gone has ruined his style of play, it seems. And it's really sad to see, honestly. I mean, it's not like anyone ever coined him as a dirty player. It's not like anyone was complaining about the way he played. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just this year just has been a struggle for him, and it's shown in the win-loss column for the Jazz, too, and just how he if he's not be able, uh, able to be on the floor for them, like, they're not going to win as many games, and that's just what's happening right now. Yeah, it's hard to... For me to decide where I'm at with this, just because I haven't seen every single minute of the of the last <laughs> sure. like seven Utah Jazz game, I saw a little bit of that <laughs> Miami Heat game. I saw the play with James Harden where he ultimately threw the cup. Yeah, I saw this play with Stephen Adams. Um, I didn't see that whole game, uh, but I mean, the first foul he got called was kind of it was a foul. This second one I, is questionable. Yeah, it was a dangerous play from Stephen Adams. The other foul call on James Harden was a flop. Um, so I'm 50% like, okay, Rudy Gobert is a defensive player. He plays hard. So maybe the new rules are kind of hurting him a little bit. I'm still not a hundred percent to say that they think the revs have it out for him. Cause I think that yeah. other 50%, um, I think comes from just frustration with how the Utah jazz season has been going and mm-hmm. the way they haven't been able to adjust to the new rules and offensively their offenses is not, uh, what it was last year. Uh, Ricky Rubio, Donovan Mitchell not shooting quite as well. Um, I mean, they've even made the, that that trade earlier this year, and it just hasn't panned out yet. 
Yeah, and Kyle Korver, there's only so much an old Kyle Korver can really do for you as far as the offensive prowess goes. Mm-hmm. He can knock down a few threes, but if you thought that was going to change your offense like completely, like give it a 180, like that is just not the move, not a highlighting move that you need to make. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Like if this continues, like I don't, I don't know how long this kind of fight can continue. It's like, yeah, I mean, they haven't find him yet, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, is so true. maybe, maybe he's just going to keep going until he does get fined. And maybe a fine wouldn't even stop him at this point, because I just feel like he's super mad right <laughs> now. at just like the state of everything. Yeah. So, yeah. I ultimately say this is forgetful. I think, uh, if the U- I think the Utah, I still have faith that Utah will put together a good run. And I think Rudy Gobert will completely forget it. Maybe he won't completely forget about it, but we'll forget about it. <laughs> and we won't see quotes like this like, until they hit another uh, three-game losing streak. Um, yeah, and, and he right. gets into foul trouble mm-hmm. early in the game. Because here's the thing. We've seen a couple bad fouls, but you get five fouls a game, man. Uh, so not every single call, I think, was borderline against you. So yeah. until we start seeing that, I guess, it's just it's just it is what it is. Yeah, I'll I'll only say it's a big deal if he starts getting fined for these comments, and then maybe it starts like a revolution against the refs or something. Yeah, yeah, that that could be. Yeah, but here here's one where big deal or forgetful. I think this is forgetful, but we'll, we'll talk about it anyway. The Suns might be on their way out of Phoenix after some rumors started circulating that the owner said that he wanted to move the team to Seattle or Las Vegas. I think he's bluffing. <laughs> he's bluffing. I, I mean, I, and then he came out. Um, the, his Winston Trinner owner or the owner said that um, he's a hundred percent committed to Phoenix. Um, the owner there, Robert Sarver, said that on Twitter. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think there's any merit to it at this point. Uh, I I think it's kind of whatever, and a lot of people are trying to. Uh, take advantage of the fact that this team's four and twenty-four right now, and <laughs> they're yeah. trying to get out of town because it's so bad. Yeah, I I think it's um it's pretty forgetful. He starts off with these big quotes, and the team tweets a video of him saying he's a hundred percent committed to Phoenix. So it just goes to show you that this guy, you know, he just got emotional, and this is what happens when a guy when somebody has a lot of money and a lot of power. <laughs> typically, normal people you get. Uh, emotional, you you know, you 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 have a tantrum to say, I guess. Uh, you just kind of you know tell your friend to screw off, and then yeah. and then you just kind of cool down, and then you forget about it. But when you have a yeah. lot of money and you have and you have a lot of power and you own an <laughs> NBA team, you put out press releases, yeah. and, and people pick up on it. Right. Um, and then and then you're like, oh shit, I'm really not that mad. Now I need to back away from this this. Uh, these headlines I just caused. Um, yeah. And I think ultimately that's what he did. I think behind it are some is a real uh, issue here is that he does the arena in Phoenix is pretty old. It's been around since the early 80s now. Uh, and he's pushing for 200, $230 million worth of public subsidies um, to renovate the new arena. Uh, whether or not that actually gets uh pass through the Phoenix City Council is to TBD and it's probably going to be a lengthy process. It's not going to happen one day to the next. So I think he's probably just got angry at the fact that the political process is long and it's complex <laughs> uh, and, and the public doesn't like spending millions of dollars on 
sports arenas. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. When you have that much money, everything you say tends to mean more than it would for me or you. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, yeah, this team is currently at 4-24, and so there's probably frustration there. And they're on pace to have the worst season in franchise history with a 14% winning percentage. I looked it up, and I was, like, surprised. I was like, wow, the Phoenix Suns have been bad, but they've never been this bad. They've <laughs> never been this bad. They're going to struggle to get to, like, 10 wins this season at this yeah, rate. This is crazy, and this is their ninth straight season without a playoff appearance, but yet they, they have a solid fan base out there, so... Um, I would hate to see them leave Phoenix, but ultimately, I do think it's it's forgetful. I think uh, Robert Robert's gonna Robert Sarver, Sarver is gonna have to keep his team there, um, and I th- I he's gonna have to renovate that arena somehow. But I don't think he'll leave Phoenix. Yeah, and he's probably not gonna pay for it himself. Yeah, probably. Yeah. If, if anything, it might come down because he's he has talking about bad owners. He has not been the greatest owner either. He's cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, he makes threats like this. Uh, makes bad hires and fires people all the time. Yeah, yeah. Who's worse, Suns or Bulls? <laughs> I gotta go with the Suns. The only wow. reason I go with the Suns just because they have a few more losses this season, or why? I mean, I I I have a lot of um, I'm. I have a lot of anger towards this guy because, I mean, the Phoenix Suns at one point had uh, Sean Marion, Amari Stoudemire, Joe Johnson, Steve Nash. Uh. They had a loaded team and so many people <laughs> walked away because this man did not want to pay his players what they were worth. And ultimately, Steve Nash walked away with no NBA championship. Um, mm. And he probably, I mean, Steve Nash, I just don't think he gets the respect he deserves at times because of that. Yeah, even being a two-time MVP, yeah, uh, Laker fans only remember him as someone they hated, and then also someone that they brought on that broke his back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think this guy uh, had the perfect opportunity. Actually, I think he had two good opportunities in the '90s with Charles Barkley too uh, to yeah. make more noise. And ultimately, his he's just a cheap man that did not want to create greatness <laughs> for his teams. Yep, sounds like Donald Sterling. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, this this one right here, this next one's a I think is a big deal. And props to our, our main man here, Spencer Dinwiddie. Yep. Uh, get he was on a NBA minimum contract, one point six million this year. And this man now, after a thirty nine point performance beating the seventy sixers, gets paid what he's finally deserves. A three year, thirty four million dollar contract for this man. Honestly, maybe even an underpay of yeah. value for this team. But, hey, $11 million a year ain't bad. Yeah, he's um, uh, 25 yeah. years old, so he still has a lot to grow, I think. Um, he's got this, is a, this is a fan favorite of yours, too, Alan. You, you love yourself some Spencer. Yeah, I I mean, he was like a late pickup of mine last year um, over Fantasy, and he just blew it out of the water, and he continues <laughs> to improve. Uh, dare I say, is he the best player for the Brooklyn Nets right now? Better than D'Angelo Russell? Yeah. I mean, I think that's an easy yes. Yeah, he got the contract. I mean, I think this this is that's what makes it really interesting is that they give him they finally committed to a player to say. I, I mean, the last few <laughs> right. years they've really just been trading assets away, and this is really the first player that they they're committing to here. Um, and it's interesting that they do it with Spencer Dinwiddie. Well, it's justified considering his um performances but they still have d'angelo russell who hasn't signed an extension or it's not really known whether it was even offered um 
Carice Lever obviously went down, so he would probably get an extension. Yeah. Uh, but it looks like they're finally trying to build a real NBA team for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, after a few years of just accumulating draft picks and going to create some cap space for this free agent market in the upcoming year, I mean, I think you got a great chance in the East, at least. I mean, not in the West, but with guys like Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Carice Levert, and like Jared Allen at center has mm-hmm. played really well in only his second year in the league. A really good young core there with those three guys. And if you can bring on any veteran star talent that you can in the offseason, this team is going to be a competitor in the East, like no matter which way you cut it. Yeah. And yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie, man, just one of those hidden gems in the NBA. You never expected this man to come out of nowhere and make a splash. And he's certainly earned it. Yeah, he's coming off the bench, averaging 16.9 points. Four assists, two and a half rebounds, shooting 41% and 36% from three. Heck of a lot better than, I keep saying this, a heck of a lot better than D'Angelo Russell because I'm still not sure why he's coming off the bench while D. Russ is starting. Um, uh, you could just say the same for like Lou Williams on the Clippers. Some of these guys just are good off the bench too. Right. Um, um, and, and I mean, don't, even- sleep, don't sleep on D'Angelo Russell still. I don't. Yeah. I know. I know you've been checking some box scores. I know you see the the production that he's been putting up on this box scores. I it's it's under it's it's really good at times, and then it's really really bad other times. <laughs> he's very up and down. I I was hoping he would have a breakout year this year, but I still think that injury he had last year is still lingering there and slowing him down. I'm not ready to call him a bust. I think it's. I he's just not think a bust. I think he's still going to need slight. Um, well, not a bust, but like I guess what would be that middle ground word? Just a little bit underwhelming for being the second pick. I think he's still due for another uh, couple years before that breakout happens, which is fine. This man is only what 22, yeah, 21 years old still. I I still believe in D'Angelo Russell, man. I mean, he's not putting up Spencer Dinwiddie type of efficiency but I mean his stats are improving yeah he's I think he's improving as a player he's 22 years old that's true we who would have thought we'd be talking about Tobias Harris making an all-star team yeah so it takes Mm -hmm. time yeah Uh, give this man another four years dude just you wait he's gonna light the league on fire in four years he'll make an all-star game before Buddy Heald will D'Angelo, uh, D'Angelo Russell? Yeah, D'Angelo Russell will. Man, Buddy Hill has been playing pretty well this year, though. I don't care, dude. He's been averaging get, 20 get, points. D- he hit the 20-point mark. <laughs> Off efficient what? shooting. Well, that's fine. That's fine. It's all, all right. a fluke. All, the Kings are a fluke, man. I can't buy in. I they're can't do it. They're still there. They're still I there. I know. I know they're there. I just can't. I just can't do it. <laughs> I just don't understand it at all. But before we move from uh, Mr. Spencer here, just one more shout out here is he's been averaging 27 points a game and the little three-game winning streak the Brooklyn Nets have built for themselves. After after losing a, a good chunk of games after Carice LeVert went down, Dare I say they're sneaking themselves back into the playoff race <laughs> in the East? It's very possible considering yeah, just how not, bad it is. A, it's only a few games to get to the Magic. I they, mean, <laughs> yeah, they're eleven and eighteen. The Magic are twelve and fifteen. So the difference is yeah. what three games, two games? Yeah, not yeah, not games. very much. It won't. Yeah, there will be teams with losing records in the East that make the playoffs. This is crazy. You can't even. You have to try. You. We might see like the nuclear option in the tank wars for the in the Eastern Conference being executed. 
Like we might see some more Kobe Simmons. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be. Uh, there's needs to be balance though. Like they they need these lottery picks because all the powers in the West, these these teams in the East that don't make the playoffs, like they need those top eight draft picks if they want to compete with the West. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Anyways, um, also one last bit. Um, Spencer Dwinwiddle, uh, Dwin Dinwiddie. He was a second round pick in 2014. Yeah, now he got himself awesome. an extension. That's some great value. Yeah. But, uh, uh, this next point, Raptors officials claim they've seen a Clipper employee at roughly 75% of Raptors games this season. Uh, Alan, is this, this a big me? deal or no big deal? I don't really understand the context of this. So, I mean, who is this Clipper employee? <laughs> is it like the guy who does sales who, who just happens to be a, a Raptors fan but moved out to L.A. for his first NBA job or... I mean, is this a guy who did retail at Clipper and now works in, <laughs> now lives in Toronto? Uh, I'm assuming they are currently employed Clippers employees that they've sent to scout out Kawhi Leonard <laughs> in whatever That's... in whatever case it is. But the Clippers, after hearing that statement, came back and said that they've only sent a representative to less than half of the Raptors games this season. So they so admit. some contradicting stories. No, they admit they've sent uh yeah, I mean the NBA scouts like from all these teams are sent to other games to scout out other players. Right. But I think there's a little special attention happening here with this Toronto Raptors team specifically. Hmm. Are we sure this is for Kawhi Leonard and not like Freddie Van Fleet or yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe we're scouting out OG and Nubi. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I this is this is forgetful, man. I this is yeah. not a this is an overreaction. This <laughs> yeah, means you, nothing. you don't think there's a conspiracy? I mean, you even saw that ESPN article that made the front page the other day talking about how there's this Clippers master plan to land KD and Kawhi in off season next year. I think some of those writers just get bored. I mean, if you want to talk conspiracy, <laughs> let's talk James Jones and the LA Lakers. That's the real conspiracy, <laughs> man. I mean, Trevor Reza yeah. to the Lakers Dude. for just KCP. That's uh that might be. That's like, it's like not as big of a news as like something that might involve Kawhi Leonard though. This is true, but I do. This is an overreaction. This is forgetful. Yeah. All right, well, how, how about this then? Two-way guard. I didn't even know this was only a two-way contract for this man, Alonzo Trier. Um, he gets a two-year contract from the Knicks as they release Ron Baker to make room for him on the full on the full-time roster there. Um, this this man putting up great numbers for an undrafted rookie and honestly has been the most impressive rookie for the Knicks out of their first and second round picks. Yeah. He's outperformed them both. I mean, this might be a big deal because I think Ron Baker might be the last American-born white guy playing in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like so sad. Real American hero right there. I'm trying to think. I guess there's – well, there's obviously – there's J.J. Reddick, Kyle Korver. <laughs> Grayson Allen is in, in the yes, NBA. Yes, Grayson Allen, he's, he's got to take the cake for yeah. that. The classic Duke prep boy. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, Ron Baker had like – the most distinct hairstyle, full <laughs> cut, man. Yeah. I mean, he just looked like he was—he was just straight out of the semi-pro movie, like out of those <laughs> days, just a '70s surfer skater guy. Uh, I mean, so I, it's not a big deal because Alonzo Trier got what he deserved. It's a big deal because Ron Baker, a true American hero, <laughs> does no longer has a job in the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. I mean, I th- I just thought Ron Baker is just a, one of those funny NBA characters. Like, I don't know what he does. I don't know 
I don't really know his role on the New York Knicks, but I just well, always clearly knew. it wasn't very much. <laughs> yeah, I always knew who he was just because of just what he looked like and his swagger on the court was just like so <laughs> unique and and funny. He was really a fan favorite though for this team. Like they love when Ron Baker played, and I I know he was a sensation on the internet too. Like, yeah, <laughs> when they signed Ron Baker that t- that two year contract last year, like. Everyone got really excited for, like, no reason at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so there's this. is Ron Baker is probably the most uh, long-term Knicks guard that they've had the last few years. Right. Yeah. Dang. End of an era, man. Yeah, that's truly an end. Dark of- times for the <laughs> New York Knicks. <laughs> I mean, Alonzo, T- though, back to Alonzo Tier. I mean, he's a good player. He's had a, a string of good performances this year. But then again... I don't. I just don't really know what to think of all those guards they have out there. Guards and f- just that whole roster, really. Uh, like Moutier, Trey Burke, Neil Akina. Yeah, they Kevin whole, Knox. Like, like, yeah. Everybody's so up and down. Super Mario. Yeah, Mario Hinojosa. <laughs> ruining his NBA career out there. <laughs> <laughs> Never really got off the ground. I, I mean, I think. But yeah, no, this Knicks team is, is just like in this position where it's like this man is the lone bright spot. In a sea of darkness. Yeah. Like, he's not playing spectacular. He's not, like, Luka Doncic levels of good. Yeah. But he's playing good enough to be a full-time NBA player. Yeah. I think the New York, the string of guards, or really anybody on that roster outside of Ennis Cantor, who may be the most consistent guy just because he grabs, yeah. somebody's got to grab rebounds night in and night yeah. out. <laughs> he's, gotta, he's the only guy that does that. Uh, but outside <laughs> of him, I think the New York Knicks might be their roster might be the biggest thrill uh, for daily fantasy players just because you never know. <laughs> you never know <laughs> when Tim one. Hardaway Jr. is going to go off for 39 points. Exactly. Or Kevin Knox <laughs> out of nowhere decides to shoot 50% from the field and just walk out with 20 points. <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah, Tim Hardaway has got to be the most inconsistent player. Yeah, just everybody on that team, man. Yeah, yeah. Mitchell Robinson will go for a double double with like seven blocks one night, and then the next night will get like two points and a run, <laughs> one rebound. Yeah, um, but I mean, hey, they they got like I said, kind of like the same story with the Brooklyn Nets is they're committing to at least one player to start uh, piecing together uh, a consistent NBA team that they can rely on, and I think the New York Knicks are trying to trying to start that process. It seems like they've tried to start that process a bunch of times, um, and then they end up. <laughs> forfeiting it but it, it looks doesn't like don't help Porzingis has been hurt this whole time too right um and I think this is a guy that they like to keep so and I think so too so hopefully it, it's a bright spot for years to come but we'll see at 8 and 21 doesn't look like it'll make a difference in the short term yeah so let's go move on to the injury report here um these nuggets who are top the west's might be taking some losses pretty soon here, Alan. We got Paul Millsap fracturing his right big toe out four to six weeks, and and your boy Gary Harris out three to four weeks with a strained right hip. I can't believe it. I, uh, I, I mean, he's been he was out already for a week, and all of a sudden, it, it, um, he's got a strained right hip. This man needs to get back on the court soon. This guy's yeah. good. Uh, uh. It sucks that Paul Millsap again missing a good chunk of the season for this Denver team, hoping. You know, when they signed him two years ago now, uh, that he was going to be that ultimate piece that gets him into the top three, top four Western Conference conversation, uh, which they ironically are. But I wouldn't say it's due to Paul Millsap. It's because of 
there are other pieces that have really turned up. But, I mean, they're hoping Paul Millsap will continue to contribute, but he goes down again. Yeah, I mean, he might not be the main factor. I mean, that's Jokic, but... Yeah. This this team is a very much uh we need all all people on deck like all players on deck to play, and right now they're missing three of their five starters at the beginning of the season. Um, you're adding Will Barton to this list, um, who should come back soon ish. He's yeah. week to week right now, but those are three starters that you're missing, and a team is only so deep to yeah. be missing that many key players. And so while Millsap might not be the most important piece. Every piece matters when you're talking about a Western Conference where 14 teams can make the playoffs. You're at the top of the West right now, but you lose a few games, you'll be back in like the fifth seed. You might even be talking about like dropping even farther, mm-hmm. especially when you're talking about guys that are out maybe a month or more. Yeah, uh, that's a lot of games in there, and they're they're inevitably gonna drop a few of these. Um, yeah. There's only so much ground a guy like Monty Morris can make up. When, yeah. when you're talking about a guy like Gary Harris, who's been a very consistent, reliable player for this team. Yeah, So, and they also have Isaiah Thomas potentially coming back, hopefully around February or late January for them. Uh, but, I mean, don't sleep on Trey Lyles. Trey Lyles is not a bad piece to come in and take some of those minutes that Paul Mills, that were going to Paul Millsap. Uh, I mean, he did, he did a heck of a job last year uh, going out there and playing – Playing those minutes, hitting from three, making the defensive plays that are needed. A young, a young, a young player that Denver likes. Uh, so he'll yeah. he'll be inserted there. Yeah, that's true. He'll he'll be good. But then then I mean, again, you look at like they were missing Millsap for a yeah. lot a lot of last year, and they still played well. Like mm-hmm. like to your point, they played well, but they barely missed the playoffs. Still, this is true. And so so like these are guys they need on the floor, even if they have guys that can step up and play all right. Mm-hmm. Like that's not going to be good enough in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. And that, and that kind of, that's unfortunate being in the West is like, it doesn't matter whether the player is good or not. It's like, is it good enough compared to what yeah. you have to deal <laughs> night in and night out in the Western mm-hmm. conference? Uh, so we'll see what that happens, but uh, over in Cleveland, oh, wait, 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 there's one more point I want to make about the nuggets Okay, that we totally missed. You remember who they signed this week? I actually don't. Who did they sign? He played for the Warriors last year. He used to play for the Lakers. Oh, Nick Young, the Nick- boy Swaggy P. <laughs> Swaggy P was signed P. by the Nuggets to help out with the Gary Harris being hurt. <laughs> hey, I mean, that's not that's not the worst signing um you can make. But I mean it's it I guess it just shows how what kind of position the Denver Nuggets are in right yeah, now. Yeah, that's a desperate that like that that's a warning sign for me. Yeah, is <laughs> having to go and sign Swaggy P because you guys are getting hurt. Yeah, why couldn't they go out there and try to find themselves their own like Quinn Cook or somebody like their own? They Sheldon. should try to sign Ron Baker. Yeah, Ron Baker probably <laughs> wouldn't be too bad. I mean, there's just got to be some decent guys who can pull up, who can just you know. Fine, get the open three and shoot. Like they've got to be out there. Like, why do you have to go to Nick Young? I mean, uh, yeah, if, if you can pry Jimmer Fredette from bec- being a god in China, I bet you could. Si- if you if he wanted to come back to the NBA, he's great at threes. True. Like some teams, at just, least Chinese threes. <laughs> yeah, like some teams, like the Warriors or like the Spurs, just always find these diamonds in the rough from the G League or or from overseas to bring them in for short term problems mm-hmm. like this. Like Jonathan Simmons, you know. Yeah. 
And speaking of the Spurs, back over 500. Yeah, but they're it not came at the expense picture. of pummeling my Clippers tonight. <laughs> but hey, they're back, baby. Yeah. Well, who's not coming back ever to 500? At least not this year. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not for a string of five years. Is the Cleveland Cavaliers who just lost Tristan Thompson, uh, who will miss two to four weeks with the sprained foot. And Tristan Thompson's been having himself a a pretty good year uh, this yeah. year with the Cavaliers. Um, and I've always felt like Tristan Thompson was a decent player. He got a lot of flack. Um, as most players who play alongside LeBron James do. But I do think Tristan Thompson is still a decent player. So it's a tough loss for them there. Yeah, he's been a double-double machine for them this year. Um, Playing for a team that really doesn't have much to play for, and he's not exactly a young guy trying to develop. Mm-hmm. But he's fighting hard out there for his team, and his his stats look great this year. Um, He's doing it all for this team, and playing with a lot of energy, a lot of heart, despite being in a terrible situation. So, I mean, I've, I've loved to watch Tristan Thompson play this year. Yeah. Um, but, yes, yeah, it's, it's too bad. I mean, two to four weeks isn't the end of the world, but, man, that was, that's your your main front court guys there and Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson being out uh, for extended periods of time now. And uh, there's only so much Della Dova can put on his back. <laughs> yeah, who do you play now? Mitchell Robinson or not no, Mitchell the Robinson? <laughs> yeah. On to Zizich, dude. Yeah, I guess you get Larry Nance Jr. out there. Yeah, Laryl, I mean, you signed him to all that money. You better start putting in the playing time now. Right. It's funny that you said uh, in a terrible situation for Tristan Thompson. I mean, I don't think it's terrible. The man's being overpaid. <laughs> That's true. I mean, it's terrible just because he's on a bad team yeah. and he's not like a young player trying to develop. Like, he wants to be in like a contending type of role. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, this is still a $20 million guy we're talking about here. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm sure he's not like super upset. Yeah, so teams on the polar opposite of where Cleveland is are the hot teams of this week. And the Boston Celtics on a seven game winning streak after falling to 500 and putting together an underwhelming start to the year. Looks like they've kind of started clicking on cylinders um, and they're back to their winning ways, um, including that beatdown they gave the Chicago Bulls of 56 <laughs> points. I mean, it was pretty much like a scrimmage in the second half of that game. Uh, Boston basically putting out all their troops they wanted to check out. They even threw out some of their uh, college rookies they were scouting to get some practice time <laughs> yeah. out there as well. Yeah, I think Brad Stevens put up some J's yeah. <laughs> while he was out there. The ball boy was um, <laughs> didn't have much of a workload, so he also put together some shots during that game. Uh, D- Danny Ainge wanted to see if he could get some layup drills in. <laughs> yeah. So I just realized, so we, this is the second time in a row we've talked about the Boston Celtics in regards to being a hot team. Yeah, I mean, we had a, we talked about them last week because the week before that they were our one of our sinking teams. Oh, um, because they had fallen to ten and ten, but then they went on a good win streak to get back up there, and they they've continued it. They haven't lost since the last time we talked about them. Currently, have the longest winning streak in the NBA right now, mm. and they're they're killing all the teams that they're playing against. And Kyrie Irving has really come alive for this team. Um, an overtime win against the Wizards. He was really doing it all for them and really showed exactly who he is. Like, th- this man can ball. He's the closer. Um, yeah, we can't forget. Kyrie Irving's the real deal, and he's still he's still got plenty of gas left in the tank. Yeah. I'll, I'll... Um, and so, yeah, even going with um, injuries with Gordon Hayward mm-hmm. and Jalen Brown here and there, they've managed to continue just dominating. Yeah, I don't want to hate or give them too much of a knock, but I will say this. This little win streak did include games against the Bulls, the Knicks, the Hawks, 
The Timberwolves, which I Timberwolves guess are all right. they're all right. They had the Cavaliers in this win streak already as well. So you're you got yeah. you're already looking at four awful teams. The Wizards, okay. they're respectable. Pelicans, good. Timberwolves are the are the Timberwolves respectable? I would say they're respectable. Yeah, I'd say any team that's not the Suns in the West is respectable. Okay, so four out of seven were deep lottery teams. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but hey, they won the games. Yeah, they're in a great position now. I think great confidence booster for the the team as a whole. Yeah, and yeah, what what they're doing is working, and that's what matters. I mean, it's not like they're going into overtime with the Phoenix Suns or anything. That's true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, despite playing against lottery teams, what what is a good sign is they made the lineup changes, and it looks like it's it's going in a positive direction. So despite who they're playing against, it's good that they're right. that this is happening. Yeah, and I mean those none of those games were really close other than the the Wizards game that did go to overtime. Um yeah. So maybe this is more of an impressive win streak for you. The Indiana Pacers on a five-game winning streak right now, uh winning 7 out of their last 9 with Victor Oladipo being out for most of those games. Yeah. Um, he returned to the lineup last game when they pummeled the Milwaukee Bucks. Um <laughs> who are a really good team. Um, holding their last five opponents in that win streak to 90 points, 90, 97, 101, and 97, that, respectively. That is really good in today's NBA. Um, really though, good. Though it does look like the, the huge scoring outbursts have slowed down a bit now in the month of December. But still, that's just, this is good for the Indiana Pacers who have had who have not had Victor Olipa for a good portion of this year. Miles Turner um, is playing pretty well, and... As, and fortunately, the Indiana Pacers, despite this injury, are sitting in the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference right now. Yeah, just just ahead of the the Boston Celtics, who are also hot and just nipping at the heels of the the Bucks right now. Yeah, um, for for the second seed and with the Sixers as well, um, who we have to give some credit to also is Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich mm-hmm. has played tremendously for this team. Yeah. Um, really stepped up and really started scoring a lot when Nodalipo went out. Um, yeah. He's been a catalyst for this team. and I mean, really, the whole team has really kind of played good team basketball. Um, there hasn't been one guy that is like emerged as a star, but the, the way they've played is just a lot like really good hustle defense, um, really savvy, smart plays. Yeah. And they just played for each other. And yeah, this this is a very good team. Yeah. Like when they're when you're able to go on a win streak like this when you're missing your star player, that says a lot. Yeah, not to mention I mean, there's a lot of key guys who have just been uh who are just playing at their be- in their best career year, which is guys like Sabonis, Bogdanovic, mm-hmm. you mentioned, Miles Turner, Thaddeus Young. Uh but Bogdanovic- yeah, Thaddeus Young, I forgot yeah. about him, man. Yeah. I always forget that he like is on this team and is like a major contributor and mm-hmm. a starter. I I just don't even remember him. Yeah, they've been flying under the radar. I mean, none of these guys are potential all stars, but they are all having career years. Like, and especially like Bogdanovic is another one of those guys that you know we talk about just bouncing around the league for years that people forget that they're an NBA player, and then all of a sudden, you know, they put together a good year. And you're like, oh, this guy came out of nowhere, but really, it's like. They've just been making steady, small progressions through their career um, to where eventually they put together a pretty decent decent year. And Bogdanovic, I think, is one of those guys right now for for the Pacers. Yeah, no, I, I like this Pacers team, man. They just, they're just solid, you know? Yeah, they're just a solid team. team. 
Um, well, let's move into the sinking teams here, and I, I'm really regretting. Well, before we uh, talk, getting, I'll, I want I'll give the okay. Pacers this over yeah. the Celtics. Unlike the Celtics, the Pacers in this five-game win streak did beat three respectable teams. I would say <laughs> the Kings, yeah. the Wizards, and the Bucks. And the yeah, Kings are the respectable. Bucks. I would say, yeah. And the Bucks are the best team out of any of them. Yeah, exactly. They, they took it to them. Now let's go to sinking teams. The Timberwolves. Yeah, sinking teams. The Timberwolves. Um, where they they got back to 500. They did it, <laughs> and then they went on a three-game losing streak. Uh, losses to three respectable teams, mind you, and the Blazers, the Warriors, and the Kings. But you gave up 141 points to the Kings in that wow. loss. And th- this is a Timberwolves team that had in- drastically improved their defensive efficiency since bringing in Covington and Saric. Mm-hmm. And then you come back and let a bunch of young guns smoke you for 141 points. Yeah. That's pretty brutal. They they have so they have a rematch against them on Monday, so it'd be interesting to see how Yeah, I'll be interesting to see how there. that goes down. Yeah. But I don't foresee it being 141 again, but are these Timberwolves can they are they is this more of what they are or was it more before when they're actually playing really well? I think this is more of what they are. Unfortunately, I think they're They'll also right now they're the 14th team in the West, and I think that sounds more awful than what they really are. Right. <laughs> I think they're. I do. Whoever's the 14th team in the West, like, is gonna get such a bad rep. Exactly. But like, they'll still be a good team. Yeah, I still I think they're a good team, but I don't think they're a playoff team in the Western Conference. I think this is what they mo- they really are. They're like a 46-45 win percentage team. Um, yeah. I don't think they'll drop below 40. Uh, but I, they're not a playoff team, and this is really who they are. They're still just young, and they need one more piece. And it feels weird saying that because they just had that piece, and they <laughs> right, traded they it just away. Had it. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess circumstance—that's just what it, it is. What it is, and uh, yeah, I three-game losing streak. Not surprised. They'll win a couple more, and then they'll go on another big uh, losing streak. Yeah. I'm just wait. I've been waiting for Carl Anthony Towns to make this jump. I thought it would happen when Jimmy Butler got traded, and he's still the same type of player. Like he'll have games where he just dominates, and he puts up a monster stat line. Yeah. And he has games where he's basically non-existent. You know. Yeah. Like he'll get a double double, but it's not an impactful double double, and he's not like an imposing threat like he should be. Yeah, and I mean, that's the difference right there between a superstar and... I mean, all NBA players are good. If you're playing in the NBA, you're a good player. But yeah. it's consistency. Uh, consistency is really what separates um, elite players, Hall of Famers, and people who are remembered. Uh, it's that. Being able to play hard night in, night out, year after year, season after season. Uh, right. And I think it just takes time to figure that out for some players and... I I would I wouldn't be surprised if it it, it is taking him a little bit longer uh, than what we wanted. Um, unfortunately, I think we all just get really excited about player too excited about players sometimes as as fans. Right. Well, let's move on to this terrible, terrible, tragic sinking team. <laughs> the Clippers. Ooh, I never. I it was yeah, gonna the happen. Clippers. It was I, gonna happen. I was dreading the day this would happen, and I knew it would come eventually. It was all too good to be true, but they've lost four of their last five, and it might as well be a five-game losing streak because their only win was in overtime against the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, I mean, we knew they were going to go on this road trip, and 
it was going to say a lot about the character of this team, whether they were bluffing or whether they actually are the real deal. And it was a tough, it's a tough road trip. You go Mavericks, Pelicans, Grizzlies, you pick up the wins or you lose to the Mavericks, you win against the Pelicans, you lose against the Grizzlies, and then it follows after that. Um, I think they just got rattled on that road trip and they haven't really been able to bounce back. And the Raptors game, that's a hard team to, to they're, they're on fire right now. So that loss is understandable. The loss in overtime against the Suns, that hurts. You're going to look back on that game uh, when you're further along in the season and you're looking at this, the standings getting tighter and tighter. So I appreciate you like making that seem a lot better than it was, but <laughs> this is embarrassing. The yeah. Clip, so you, you're going up against a Raptors team. Mind you, they're good without Kawhi Leonard, but you got absolutely humiliated <laughs> at home. And you're trying to impress Kawhi Leonard? You're trying to show him, like, wow, you should come to the Clippers because we're going to be awesome with you. Well, guess what? You just got trounced by a team that didn't even play him. And it was honestly embarrassing. That entire game, the fourth quarter, was basically a formality because the game had already been completely won. We didn't even get to 100 points. We gave up 123. You come back. And you play the Spurs, and the same exact thing happens. You get beat 125 to 87. Yeah. 125 to 87, and you call yourself a playoff team right now. That's this sad. is unacceptable. Yeah. And then- like, you were atop the West like one week ago. Like, one week ago, you were like at the very the very first seed. And you put up two performances in a row like this. You barely beat the Suns. You lost two before that. I mean, I hate to say it, but the Clippers will probably not make the playoffs this year if this is their true colors. I don't think this is their true colors. I think they're struggling. I think they got rattled. And there might just be something about Toronto and L.A. because Lakers got pummeled at home by the Toronto Raptors without Kawhi <laughs> Leonard as well. Right. And the, I mean, yeah, so the Warriors also got pummeled by the Raptors without Kawhi Leonard yeah. as well. So, I mean, you would but think it's the, the opposite. The Spurs, the, too. The Spurs did it to him, too. That one, that, and that's a pretty, that's the one that I think I'm getting, I get a little bit worried about here. And I mean, Tobias Harris has just not, has not been. Though those games have been atrocious for him, shooting bad, um, not giving, not not eclipsing over sixteen points. Uh, I mean, he's. We were talking about the killer year he's been having, but he's really fallen off. I really hope it's not a case of uh, sort of realizing what it really takes to be a great team in the <laughs> West and realizing, yeah. oh shit, I'm not. Don't think we can do this night in and night out. And ultimately that's what it's going to come down to is like, can you grind night in and night out against difficult teams to hold your spot? Uh, I think what's going to be a really important addition for this Clipper team. If, if he ever comes back, I don't even know what his timetable is, but Maba Mute, his defensive ability is something that cannot be overstated at this point. The Clippers have one of the worst defenses in the league. They they give up 120 points a night basically at this point, and you need a guy that can guard those stretch four positions, the the small forwards of the league, um, that knows how to play defense honestly because none yeah. of these Clippers know how to play defense. I mean, Shea Gilgis, he's lengthy, and he he can guard point guards like he should be able to, but he's unskilled at this point in his career. He like he can't use his length correctly yet. Avery yeah. Bradley's undersized. Pat Beverly's undersized. 
these are guys are supposed to be defensive stoppers for you, but they're three inches shorter than everybody else that they're guarding or more. Yeah. So it's like, what do you expect from them? And then Gallinari doesn't really play defense. Tobias Harris is a is a decent defender. I'll give him that. Yeah, he's good. But like, yeah, Montrezl Harrell is always playing up against guys that are bigger than him. Um, because he's always in a small ball lineup. So Marcin Gortat is slow as heck. So. Like they just have no good defenders on this team, and that's part of the reason why like their colors are kind of showing right now is because you can only outscore people so many times yeah. before it starts catching up to you. And then Lou Williams is now out a couple weeks with a hamstring injury, um, so you lose a huge piece off the bench for them. Uh, this bench mob I, type of team. Yeah, this is a bright spot though. I mean, they got. On Saturday, they're they're in OKC, but then they got a three game homestand, um, and followed by a couple couple more games at home. So the rest of December, the majority of their games will be played at home. So I think they got they got a bright spot there in order to get themselves out of this funk. Uh, yeah, I don't think this is a true. I think the Clippers are a playoff team, but the idea that they're the number one, number two, or number three team in the West, I think that mm-hmm. was a huge bluff, <laughs> and yeah. that's oh, not totally. going to end up being true. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's so hard because like I I watch all these games you know and I'm just like I just I don't understand I mean I was the the thing that makes me think that this team will probably not make the playoffs is that I'm dumbfounded when they were winning but I'm not surprised when they're losing and that's the that's I bet I'll, I feel the same way is. Stunned that they win, not surprised that they lose. And yeah. That's a stigma for the Clippers. Right. So, that, like, that, that, like, feeling just tells me it's like, hey, man, like, it's been a nice run, but you've only been through a third of the season, and this isn't going to last. I mean, playing in the West, <laughs> it's very possible that you lose a couple. They must, they're fortunate to be on this losing streak and still be uh still hold the fourth seed right now. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, cuz the Lakers lost tonight. Yeah, and um, and yeah. and the these top the from the Lakers to the Grizzlies, I mean, it's not a big gap, but it is a half game gap and before this loss it was a one it's a full game, which <laughs> right. has been the biggest gap we've seen between the top 5 and the rest of the field. So, mm-hmm. they're fortunate that that's there, but that that's going to get a little bit smaller if once if the Lakers and Clippers keep losing or notably the Clippers here. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's it's a it's a rough road. December has not been kind, yeah. but hopefully but, hopefully Santa's got something good for us in Christmas. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Closer so, to Christmas time, yeah. So let's turn it up on a positive note. The best performances of the week, we got my man De'Aaron Fox, the quick Fox, 12 is. for 16 from the field, 30 points, 12 assists, and three steals in a win over the Cavs. Dare I say, De'Aaron Fox is looking like the best point guard coming out of that 2017 NBA draft. That's a diss to my boy Lonzo, but De'Aaron Fox <laughs> right now is scoring the ball and doing it all for the Sacramento Kings, who are sitting for in playoff position still, um, even midway through December. Yep, yeah. I, I mean you got to give it to the guy. I mean Lonzo, if you put him on the Kings, I don't see them doing as well with Lonzo right now. Yeah. De'Aaron Fox is just playing so well mm-hmm. and I- shooting well. Like I didn't know this guy was such a good shooter, such a good scorer. Like, I knew he was a great facilitator, but he he seems like he can do it all at the point guard position. Yeah, he's having a breakout year. That type of shooting was not there um, last year. I mean, you saw a little bit of it right. in college, but not to the extent now. 
But that's what happens, man. Guys get better. Guys break out. How about John Collins coming back and having an impressive Oof. December? Last four games, averaging 25 points, 13.5 rebounds, and 62% shooting. I think John Collins flew under the radar all last year, but if you man. watched him, looked at his numbers, this wasn't. This is no surprise. I'm not surprised. I mean, I saw this coming. This guy was going to come back and make an immediate impact on this Hawks team. I mean, I am... I am stunned, man. This is a second-year player. This, this is a second-year player. He is good. He wasn't, a, he wasn't even a lottery pick for this team. I think he was drafted 18th overall. Mm-hmm. And to, to, if you came to me and said, this 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 man's going to average 25 and 13 and a half rebounds in his second year, those numbers are gaudy, man. Those are good numbers. I won't. I wouldn't hold myself to that. That that's what he's gonna do the rest of the season. But I did. I'm not surprised he's off this hot. And this is him ru- coming into the season rusty. Yeah. He I, missed like the first month of the season, and then he just comes out swinging like this. I think. I think he's excited, but I don't see. I mean, at the end of the year, I think he'll. His, he's gonna be an 18 and 10 guy. I'm um, not 25 and 13, but 25 and 13 is still. Really good. I mean, considering <laughs> that, that he's, he is for rusty a second after year what you player. just said. For a second-year player, man. I mean, he's the real deal, man. He, he probably will get to 25 and 13 for a, for a full season if this keeps up maybe yeah, in like well, two yeah. or three years. So let me ask you this. Like, where, like, where, what do you see John Collins being in his NBA career? I mean, Is that- he an all-star? Is he just a star? I mean, if is he, he a Hall of Famer? Ah, that's so it's so hard to make these <laughs> these these things. But I mean, at best, I mean, I mean, at this point, let's see. I think he's at least gonna be as good as Julius Randle, um, and I think he'll be even better. Like, I wouldn't be surprised I don't know if, if he Julius gets, Randall's ever averaged twenty five and thirteen and a half rebounds. He's been putting together some good numbers the last. He puts the last together month. some very good numbers. I like. I think twenty five and thirteen. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets to that. Like in two or three years. Yeah. I don't know about the sixty two percent shooting. Wow. Maybe fifty. But <laughs> he's good, man. He is. Dude. He's he's fit for the modern NBA. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. Best fantasy pickup ever. Yeah, how about James Harden? 50 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists, and a triple-double tonight in the win against the Lakers. The Houston Rockets got away with this win. I don't understand how the Lakers allowed this to happen. (laughs) Harden took over. That's what happened. Kyle Kuzma was bullying the crap out of James Harden in the post, and I guess that was enough to wake him up. Yeah, I mean, that's enough for the Lakers to score, but, I mean, when the Rockets score over 120 points, that's that'll do it for them. Yeah. I mean, James Harden was able to just have his way with the Lakers tonight. I mean, I, I know it hurts to hear, but, like, he, I don't even remember how many free throws he shot tonight. But I it was an, it was an absurd so amount. Yeah. Oh, it's the worst. As someone who's not, like, a diehard Rockets fan, it's the worst. Like, yeah. Yeah, and then the thing with Rudy Gobert, obviously, mm-hmm. is like, I mean, it's not like Rudy Gobert is the only victim of Harden Flopping's yeah, shenanigans, but yeah, that's that's his game. He's he's built for the modern NBA, specifically <laughs> because of the refs, how they call the games these days. So the Lakers and the Ro- so the Lakers are 0-2 against this team now, and they're going to see each other again, and every time they see each other, it seems like things get chippy. Um, yeah. So... 
I mean, is this an actual rivalry at this point? Like for this year? Like, this is a weird rivalry. It's like the Rockets aren't even in the playoffs right now. <laughs> yeah, I just, and the Lakers are like they're like I don't know why would they have beef with anyone on the Rockets. I hate it how the Lakers just sometimes make teams look so much better than they really are. Like the, <laughs> the Clippers do that too. <laughs> yeah, like, I guess every team just kind of has nights like that. But the Rockets looked like they were the the third seed in the West this year against against yeah. the Lakers tonight. They're just and James Harden's gonna have cylinders. these nights though, you know. It's like the Rockets aren't gonna stay down at the bottom of the West forever, um, with a guy like this on your team. Yeah, and I guess I will. The Lakers are down Brandon Ingram and uh, Rajon Rondo, so th- they're missing troops. But how about the West? The worst performers of the week: Kyle Lowry. Despite the Raptors firing on all cylinders, he played 33 minutes. 0 for 5 from the field for zero points, five rebounds, and seven assists, and three turnovers. And a loss against the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, didn't come up in a big-time matchup against what could potentially be a Eastern Conference Finals matchup Yeah, uh, come June, come May and June. But uh, that's, that's a dud uh, in his, what's been a very successful season for Kyle Lowry. I mean, yeah. other than that, he's been so consistent. I mean, he torched the Clippers. He torched the Warriors. So... Just, yeah, it, it's crazy to me that he had such a bad performance. Yeah, I guess it happens, and uh, we won't give him too much knock on this. Nah. But how about John Wall, 26 minutes, 0 for 5, 1 point, 4 assists, uh, 4 rebounds, 6 assists, and a loss against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Ooh. What he called the worst game of his career. You know, I'll say this to defend <laughs> John Wall, though. he was It was his first game back uh, from an injury uh, from Bone mm-hmm. Spurs, yeah. and he was a little bit uncomfortable out there, you could tell. Um, but it just seems like John Wall just cannot catch a break, man. I wonder what's, I really do wonder what's, I wonder, I was like finding, I found myself questioning whether or not this guy actually even works out in the summers. Like, oh man. <laughs> like I was, I just can't believe like what's going on with him. I mean, he puts up good numbers some nights and other nights. Uh, it just seems like he, he had a massive injury that just like regressed his career three years or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in this case, yeah, injury did play a part. But when you're talking about a team like the Cavs, like just a super weak team overall, mm-hmm. and you're a superstar like John Wall, you should just annihilate teams like this. Yeah. Like it's just business as usual. But, I mean, part of it's the injury. Part of it I, I got to chalk up to team chemistry. Like mm-hmm. it, the motivation's probably very low for this man. Yeah. Um. At this point, just being on this dysfunctional team for so many years, it's got to wear on you. Yeah. Though, here is a positive note: John Wall did go off for thirty-nine points against the Celtics the next night. Yeah, that's true. He's saving himself for that Kyrie or matchup, or maybe he's just points, really mad at himself. Points, my bad. Thirty-four yeah, points. Yeah. Still great. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe he was saving himself for that matchup against Kyrie. But possibly yeah, still, man, it's yeah. like, come on, at least, at least put up a few points. One point, man, one point I know in 26 t- minutes. I want to see 2016 John Wall back. Hopefully yeah, don't, don't we all? Yeah. Well, to close the, the, the podcast up, it's just a shout out to Dirk Nowitzki, 40 years old. And like I yeah. mentioned at the start of the podcast, he's playing with a rookie who was born the same year and same month. That Dirk Nowitzki made his NBA debut. <laughs> of course, we're talking about Luka Doncic. Um, so here's a quick fact. Dirk Nowitzki, the seventh leading scorer in NBA history, becomes the first player ever to appear for the same sports franchise in 21 seasons. 
21 seasons. Whew. That's insane. Outdid Kobe, man. Outdid Kobe. I mean, yeah. 21 seasons is like oh my older than who? Markel Full? No, not Markel Full. M- older yeah. than like a lot of, like, I mean, every NBA rookie pretty much. Right. That That's kind of crazy, man. And look at yeah. Doncic also leading the, the Dallas Mavericks to a 15 and 11 current record. The seventh seed, the six foot eight point guard. I'm averaging 18 points, rookie leading 18 points, 6.8 rebounds and four assists, 42% shooting and 36% shooting from three. I just wanted to close the podcast up by saying, were you high? Were people high when they were doubting this man? (laughs) The Europeans, man, they'll never get the respect they deserve. Yeah, now he's maybe they will one day. Yeah, maybe one day. Now he's playing against who's arguably the greatest European basketball player of all time. Yeah, that's got to be an honor for him, honestly. That's like that's some European pride right there. Yeah, it's got to be yeah, pretty just, cool. Just to bring him down right before we end it, all these good things we say about the Mavericks, they just lost to the Suns. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dirk Nowitzki, six minutes, two points. Okay, there yeah, I mean, yep. that's what Dirk was probably going to do this year, you know, something <laughs> like that. But it's okay, so they're not 15 and 11. They're now 15 yep. and 12. <laughs> Well, thanks. Bummer. Yeah, thanks everybody for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe, like us, um, and listen to us week in and week out when we break down NBA news. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Have a good week. <laughs>